The following talk is given by Tara Brock, meditation teacher, psychologist, and author. So again, uh, welcome. I saw a few new people slip in. Glad to have you. When we do this next part of things, any inquiry you have, anything you'd like to share, and if there's anything that came up around that, that line from the poem, describing peace as this heart space where everything that is is welcome, whether that resonated or didn't, or you found that challenge or whatever, um, that can be part of it too. So I've been doing primarily open awareness, natural presence kind of meditation lately. So I, I'm churning a little bit about emotions, <laughs> no surprise, because I'm aware that I'm also seem to be in a slightly more dissociative state than I, it, it doesn't, not permanently, but there seems to be, a, I'm, a, I'm a little more aware of more dissociation lately. Um, so it just has me in that inquiry around whether my, uh, just sort of the way I'm built, I need to be inviting emotion more than I am right now. It's kind of the idea in my meditation. Mm-hmm. And do you try that sometimes? I mean, do you say, okay, right now I'm in a... You know, not, you know, not so much. I mean, I, I kind of just let myself do what I feel like doing. And in the last few weeks I've been in a more, you know, sort of open awareness sort of place, kind of my curiosity. Is there um, any sign, anything that lets you know, any subtle dukkha with the dissociation? I mean, is there anything that lets you know that there is dissociation and there may be avoidance? Because usually there's some sign. During meditation, I don't feel dissociated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like I'm noticing, you know, I'm noticing my triggers in other parts of my life, Mm -hmm. you know, but... When I'm in the, you know, when I'm on the cushion, not so much. You know, I don't. I feel peaceful. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I feel r- very there. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like there's anything I'm avoiding in that moment. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you feel open and present, and are you embodied? Yeah. So you feel awake in your body, like mm-hmm. if you checked in, you'd. Yes. You're really open to sensation. Yeah. I, yes. And the heart space is a you know, it's a bit of a challenging one for me. So, you know, so it's not, it's not that obvious so here, how open I am. Yeah, so I don't think you have to go digging for emotions, although certainly during your daily life when something gets triggered to the extent that you can pause and say, oh, this is a time to investigate, do sure. it. Sure, yeah. But to me, the portal during, if you're practicing an open awareness, is the body. Mm-hmm. And so I would be more intentional about your body. And... Mm-hmm. Um, I often, you know, because I, I will establish a quality of open presence, but I, I pretty systematically keep checking with my uh, heart mm-hmm. and my belly. Okay. And I find that most of the time, what feels like a kind of quiet open presence, actually when I mm-hmm. let my awareness start sinking down, I start finding layers of tension that I hadn't been noticing because they're mm-hmm. subtle but habitual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'll actually take some time to to let the breath and the awareness be 
in those areas until I feel like I'm really allowing the full expression mm-hmm. of whatever's there. Okay. It's particularly the belly, because mm-hmm. we have, the belly is a place where we digest life experience, we process, and so when there's woundedness and injury, we very quickly develop a hardening or an arm around the belly that becomes so familiar that we don't realize that the belly's tight and that there's not a real open flow. And that's really where, that's the source of our empowerment, a feeling of really belonging and being part of the universe and letting the universe's energy flow through us. There's a a kind of a courage that comes when we really open that area. So I would do it more like that. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm glad you asked. You know, I've heard emotions described by you and others as as sort of a confluence of thought and an emotion and a, a, a way or a, a sensation I mean as a way in which our uh, thoughts register in our body and this question is sort of a um, exploration and I'll keep it brief but it's a there's a way in which when I'm meditating there's a a stepping out of my personality, out of this sense of self in some way, observing. And so I'm, I'm noticing thoughts, and I'm noticing sensation, but emotion, there's uh, some sort of moving away from self where it feels like emotion seems to, sat- seems to be. And so I'm trying to understand how to integrate this um, observing of sensation and thought into self and stepping out of self at the same time. How do you go about stepping out of self? There's sort of a natural unwinding in when I'm sitting that I, there's a, um, a letting go so that I'm not so tied in with my, my natural self. And so there's just this sort of stepping back that happens as I settle into meditation. So I just want to make sure I'm understanding then what the situation is that you, as you settle, and meaning that you kind of occupy the space of attending, the self, the, the stories that keep a sense of more solid self start, aren't there. So you, there's a more dissolution, more amorphous, more porous. And then you're just noticing sensations that come and thoughts that come, but they don't seem to coagulate into what we call emotion. Right. Right. And then at other times, do you sense emotion as emotion the way you've heard about it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and yeah. yeah, sometimes there's, I'm feeling sadness or I'm noticing fear. And there's just things moving through me that are, and then at those times, I'm more kind of caught up in a sense of self. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just wondering about that. And I, and I also think that there's some, you know, I notice this sort of masculine culture around it too. And so it feels like there's some part masculine conditioning that, that you know, of doing and, and um, of, uh, of, of male masculine self in there. That, and I'm wondering if, you know, the, there's sort of a, you know, I'd like to hear the, the feminine side of that and how to 
integrate that. There's something about that in there. Where do you notice the male masculine self? And is it while you're sitting, or are you noticing it at other times? Yeah, I notice it in other times especially. I think there's more bright brain sort of in mm-hmm. my in my sitting, mm-hmm. um, in, in my meditation. Okay, so space. that would make sense too. Mm-hmm. So how about this as just a way to kind of frame it, that in order for emotions to be strong, there has to be a pretty active story going on. Mm-hmm. Because emotions really are, it's like fight, flight, freeze can emerge without a story. I mean, often there's a story, but it, it can be just an instinctive response. Like I can at any time kind of pay attention and feel a bit of squeeze in my chest. And there's some anxiety, there's some organismic thing about, you know, am I safe? Is, thing, is life okay? But there's not a huge ego level storyline going on. Mm-hmm. But for the, the more complex emotions to form, we, we have the, the stories and narratives have to have taken root. So they're setting off a particular um, biological combo in our body. Mm-hmm. And it sounds that when you're sitting, you're not so involved with the storyline. So you may have the sensations, you may even have a feeling of, of fear or a feeling of clutch or this or that, but it's not, it doesn't, it's not evolved and complex it's at the level so, of emotions. Yeah, it's not so personalized. It's, so it's not so personalized because right. your story's not going. So what that says is if you want to spend more time waking up through the portal of emotions, mm-hmm. you do it when the storyline is there. Mm-hmm. and. And here's the thing, you hear so many people say, oh, meditation, it's not what you think. But thinking is part of our experience and the stories are part of our experience. And there's a skillful way to get that the story's there and to let it kind of hover and so that the, the kind of atmosphere that it's creating in the body is distinct. Sometimes I'll leave them when I'm working in workshops. I'll say, you know, accentuate the story. Stop at the frame where it's most intense. What are you telling yourself? You know, because that's a way to become mindful of some of the layers that we're not mindful of. We just kind of, you know, get lost in. So slow it down at the times that the storyline has coagulated a self-sense and then just get really curious. Notice the story, notice what you're believing, and then begin to investigate how it takes shape in the body. Even let your face take the expression, you know, like really embody it with curiosity and you'll have that same, the power of the mindfulness, but you'll be contacting a patterning that you usually don't hang out with. Helpful. Yeah, yeah, thank you for bringing it in, because it's true for a lot of us that we, we want to get familiar with territory that doesn't always present itself when we're doing a, me- a formal meditation. Yeah. Tara, thank you for reading the poem. I've been thinking about a line in the poem, and it sort of led me down a road where I eventually got stuck. So very briefly, um, the phrase uh, that peace is a heart space where everything is welcome. And I started to think about the word welcome. And I started to think about it within the context of things like violence and cruelty and hatred. And I think maybe for me one way of figuring that out a bit is to think about welcome as I think you've mentioned inviting um, uh, issues and emotions in for tea and using rain 
uh, recognize, allow, investigate, and non-attachment. So to sort of work toward the truth behind cruelty and behind violence and so on. So I, I, that's kind of where I went. But then um, I got to the word non-judgment, and that's where I got stuck mm. because... So I wondered if you could speak a little more to non-judgment and how that applies to terms like violence and cruelty and mm -hmm. hatred. Mm -hmm. So let's say I'm being with myself and I, re and I sense what is arising in me is strong aversion towards somebody, okay? <coughs> is that an example? Yes, I guess I was thinking of it more in a broad sense. But I'm a little concerned with the broad sense because those are ideas. And when we say everything that is is welcome, what is actually about that idea? It's like you could talk about cruelty out there, but if you really want to feel the heart space and welcome what is, what is it about that cruelty? Because it's not the idea that you're welcoming, it's the energy of aggression or the energy of ignorance or the pain of hurt or loss or grief. So if you bring it to that level, then you can start experimenting with, well, what does it mean right this moment to open to that aggression or to open to that, uh, the, the ignorance, the not seeing, or to open to the hurt that that's caused? You know, does that resonate? Yes. So by doing that, it, it might lead me to feel sad rather than angry. Maybe not. Maybe you'd feel angry. Maybe you'd feel rage. Maybe you'd feel powerless. Maybe you'd feel... Um, you know, so it can be of inner violence that you're opening to, all the weather. But I'm just saying, like, keep it with what's actually happening inside your body. If I may, then I'm just wondering, isn't that judgment, though? In what way? Feeling those emotions, aren't they a form of judgment? Well, if I'm take, angry. Take, so if you're angry, there's a storyline that has judgment. So you're opening to feel how that's playing through your body but you're not adding another layer of judgment. The only way we can stop the war, because every emotion has an evaluation going on. Something's wrong, and then it's its particular frequency of reacting to something's wrong. Something's wrong, I'm gonna depress. Something's wrong, I'm gonna aggress. Something's wrong, you know. So you're right, there's, it built into an emotion is an evaluation. Peace is stopping the war. Rather than proliferating and being identified with the emotion, you're not adding another judgment to it. You're letting it be there in a space, a heart space, which actually starts dissolving the identification. You're undoing by not adding more judgment. That helps. Thank you. I still need to think some more about it though. Thank you. Try to feel into your body because sometimes the problem with rain is like, and I'll do this meditation where I'll say, you know, bring up a situation and then explore feeling how it is inside you and saying yes to it. And people will eventually say, yeah, but if I say yes to the way he's treating me, he's going to keep on stepping on me. And that's not what we're saying yes to. We're not saying yes to violence out there or to cruelty or to we're saying yes to the actual experience of it in our body because the experience is no. When there's a sense of self, there's a no. There's a resistance or a grasping and a, I don't, I don't want this. So to not keep fueling the sense of a naysaying self, if you just have a space where this too, 
this too is allowed. It deconditions that, that identification. Those are words until you actually experience what's it like in my body to feel that aggressiveness and just in a very deep way say, you know, it's okay, yes, let it be there in this body. And you discover that the sense of selfing melts away around it and it just plays itself. It's just another energy that comes and goes. Thank you. Yeah, let me know what you discover. Thank you. Yeah. It's about a poem. Also, there was a line about the tiger eating the carrots. So I do accept that if the tiger is here and there are carrots and there is my dog, probably the tiger is going to eat my dog. And I accept it. There is cruelty there. There is aggression from the tiger. But I don't judge it because a tiger is a tiger. I accept that it's going to eat my dog and not the carrots. But probably, if I see the tiger coming, I'm going to take my dog from the room and leave the room. Yeah. Uh, without judgment. Yeah. So the word welcome in using the poem, kinda I don't relate it because I'm not going to welcome it. I'm just going to take my dog and leave the room. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I, I can understand that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that the same point that you're bringing up, which is a really, really important one, often is um, with acceptance. Like, if I accept this, um, it's passive. Like, wh how am I going to take care of the situations in my life? And we, have a, and we have a kind of a duty to ourselves and our loved ones and the world to take care of things. And so it's important to say that this moment welcoming in a heart space what's here, I consider is actually the precursor to wise action. That if I can welcome this, this moment that yes, there, there's a feeling of danger and there's a feeling of something I love being threatened and I can open to that in a, in a really present way, rather than shooting the tiger, I'll just pick up my dog and walk out the room. So the, the pause to accept or welcome or whatever the language you want is actually creates the foundation for a kind of intelligent and compassionate response rather than continuing in a cycle of reactivity. Yes. So I'm glad you brought that in. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Hi. Last time I was here, I was telling you about my idealizing problem, if you remember. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and I've been working very hard on it this last month. And I have noticed the shift inside of me and in my life. But I'm still a little confused. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I think I have two questions for you. So I know what this idealizing, idolizing of you and other people in my life is. Like, I know, I know what's underneath of it. Like, I've always known. It's yearning, it's grief, it's loss, it's all these things. But I feel like I've gone to the bottom of the barrel. Like, I feel like there's, there's nothing else to search for. It's, mm -hmm. And you said something to me that there was something underneath of all that stuff. And I can't remember what it was you said, but you made it sound like it was good stuff, like awareness and compassion, <laughs> you know? <laughs> But I can't remember what you said, so that's my first question. 
because I've gone to the bottom and there's nothing else left. Yeah. So, in a way, you're bringing, I just want to make sure I'm with you, that you're bringing a real presence and interest and kindness to looking at what's here, right? Yeah, I mean, that's why there's a shift in my life because I've never done it like that before, uh-huh. like bringing compassion and acceptance and you know, self-love to it. Okay, so if you get to a place where there's nothing else there, all that's left then is that compassionate, accepting attention, right? I, I suppose. That's what's there. That's what's underneath all the muck. Whether you call it um, underneath or in between or the space it's all happening in, this is actually the core principle of transformation is that when you bring presence to what's happening and the presence gets deeper and wider and more and more tender so that it's really a heart space where you're really opening to all those layers that you've described what you're left with is sensing that the what you are is that heart space not a person with all these layers that that are gunky you you, you become more and more familiar with the presence that's being offered and there's a shift in your in your sense of who you are that's the discovery not that there's some little other layer under there it's like the very presence itself is the blessing well the uh, the little part I'm confused about like you said the heart space where everything that is is welcome like I understand that like you you welcome all of it no matter how ugly it is or painful or wonderful but there's a time I have to let some of it go like I can't keep grasping onto this in a moment of welcoming it is going because the welcoming takes away the identification the only reason things stay is because we're either resisting them or we're fixating on them but in the moment of true presence there's a dissolution of your identification with it, that's where the suffering is. So I'll give you an example. If I'm right now sitting here feeling um, fear that, that I'm not going to be helpful and I'm going to let you down, or, you know, that would be a typical, you know, if I go into a certain kind of spiral, like, oh my God, I'm not saying it in a way that's helping. And so let's say I get into that, right? And then there's a, ooh, I'm deficient, I'm failing, I'm not really a good teacher. Jeez, why am I even, you know, (laughs) on and on and on. So if that spirals, so let's say we do a big pause and we get to like, you guys are all very quiet and I start paying attention to my experience and I see this, see the talking and I see that very familiar old sense of not enough. And then I start breathing with it and then I start sensing, you know, that, um, that feeling of, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I'm just sorry for that repeated pattern that's taken me from myself for so long. So there's some compassion there. And then I just start offering real loving kindness to just this tangly space, this kind of achy, tangly thing that comes up. And that loving kindness I'm offering, and there's a little more space and openness and just tenderness, and the stuff is playing in there. And then gradually there's this realization of, oh, okay, so I'm this space of loving kindness. And this is just a pattern. These are, these are waves that run through, but they don't define me. There was nothing on the bottom of the barrel. It was more the whole space the barrel was being looked at in. I'm back to inhabiting something larger. Does that connect for you at all? 
to not think of it as these layers that I'm trying to get underneath of. Are, even if there's layers, that what's really important is the quality of presence. It's how you're relating because it's the presence itself that is healing, not the particular of what you're noticing. So, so here for you, a, m a more practical way to say it is that as you're investigating and bringing kindness and bringing acceptance and saying yes and so on, you know, start turning the attention to that which is saying yes, to that which is aware, to that which is kind. And you'll start discovering that that which is aware and loving is more what you are than any story or feeling that you were looking at. Just play with that and then let me know next time we're together, okay? Thank you. Okay, yeah. So I was thinking about the prayer. I was thinking about all is welcome and last Monday I went to Jonathan and uh, his talk and he was uh, talking about um, climate change. And so I realized when I got there and he said that's what he was talking about, I was just, I was like, oh, I really don't want to listen to this because it, it, it's painful to really think about just mm -hmm. all the destruction that's going on in the planet mm -hmm. and but just staying with it you know through the talk I when I walked out of there I felt so much lighter mm. you know and so much more like reconnected you know mm. to just the environment and to life because it was just that it wasn't really welcome you know I was carrying it probably just you know, yeah. resisting it and distancing myself from it. So I think that's what that prayer means yeah. to me and welcoming it is just being able to identify it and then it has its own fluidity. Exactly. And that's a beautiful example because that's one of the big examples in our life, climate change. It's like um, we don't want to hang out with the reality. And what happens is we become a self that's kind of busy and doesn't have time for that real. And it makes us bigger. It makes us more, there's more pain and there's more belonging and there's more tenderness and more freedom when we just welcome the reality. Yeah. And, and, and here, you know, tonight as people mention, identify something that they're carrying, that's what really frees me too because mm. I don't even know I'm carrying it until often mm. somebody mm. names it and yeah. And it awakens it, so. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. So we have time for one or two more before we do our um, closing, if there's anyone that has something on your mind. Hello. Now, I've been doing a lot of Vipassana for decades now. When I uh, sit and meditate, it's almost the, this, I get, get a little bit too wrapped up in the, the sort of, cult of the being in the present moment thing because it's I can sort of zap anything I can go and just watch and open and I have no problem with that and, and I have this it related triggered when you were saying in the stomach you know because that's where I feel my anxiety and things and I, I I focus on my physical body and so forth well th there's a it, on the one hand there's no problem in fact it, it works really well and in a few minutes I can go to feeling anxious and filled with thoughts and anxiety to just sort of letting go and accepting and just watching and just paying attention and seeing the tightness and seeing the emotions come and go and opening to this. But um, 
the thing is, though, after now after years of doing this, I, I can do that and be in this moment. But it, it's it's almost as if I'm um, taking a shot of heroin because it it's I, I have this sense of going from being anxious to being you know, relaxing, letting go, and everything, and being here in this moment where there's just no problem. Now there's are all you know they're, they're, all the problems are just thoughts and anxieties here. And then um, you know a few hours later, you know I'm back and. I have this real-world problem again, and 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 the, all the shit is still there, and so it's sort of like I can, you know, and you know, I sort of say to myself, well, gee, meditation's a lot better for me, and and spiritually and physically than say, you know, heroin or alcohol or something, but 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 it but it seems like almost like it's a drug, and like I, I it, like I sort of escape, and e- even though it's very helpful and it's and and I transformative and I, I open and do all these things. It, it seems like then there's always I'm always back to the real world in another couple hours, and I can't just you know in, unless I I want to go and join a monastery. Um, it, it's it's sort of a there's sort of an overlying sort of disappointment. Like okay, I mean this is I'm <laughs> anyway I, I can go on, but that, that's 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 the gist of it. So, Any so well, a question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dang, so it doesn't work in real life. No, it, works. it works great, but it, it's, I feel a little sort of some expectations, not mm-hmm. feel like I'm mm-hmm. like I was hoping that I'd have this by now, this sort of deep, you know, transformation, and I would be just, you know, that, that these anxieties just wouldn't keep coming up mm-hmm. again, you know. Mm-hmm. And, but it looks like that's just not going to happen. I just have to deal with that. So I just, maybe I should just say, okay, well, then when I'm anxious, I'll just sit and watch it and just just do that and just you know take what I get and not expect more but uh, I don't know if there's more to that but that it just it's not really a problem it's just that but when you were saying this it, and I was listening to this I sort of you know and, and some of my friends who meditate have gone directions I don't agree with like some of them have experienced similar things and they're sort of deny the existence of the world like like oh everything's an illusion you see there's mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. They, they want to sort of retreat and so you know into their mm-hmm. heads and it's almost like solipsism and and that to me is ridiculous because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think there's a real world but my 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 solution is usually well you know that two arrows things that I have to accept there's like real problems and there's real sort of pain and and stuff but then I can just try to not add to it but but uh, but I I sort of want more you know that sort of thing like I I okay so let me ask you a couple questions one is over the decades has there been any change in how your day-to-day life has your experience of day-to-day life both in terms of anxiety depression and your sense of yourself oh yeah yeah everything's improved I mean I'm I'm kinder to people oh yeah I'm kinder to people I'm open more I I have less I I less attached to things my moods instead of lasting a weekend last like 10 minutes okay that's one question so so it has bled in I mean you know it it has though I I don't know if I'm just not I'm getting mature now and I'm not a teenager anymore I'm not sure if how much of it is from meditation I have no way to test that right I I, I attribute it to meditation but I I, yeah so um, so there's two things here because one is for sure people compartmentalize and have their little meditation cave in the daily life and sometimes there's not so much bleeding over because they're not really training themselves to notice it's like all the associations for meditation are linked to right in front of an altar but not in front of a friend or a boss or in front of your steering wheel so part of it is very intentionally practicing uh, 
you know, practicing being awake, being open, being vulnerable and all that in other situations, and in, especially with other people. I mean, I feel like it's one of the kind of insanities of the spiritual culture that we come onto retreats and we all sit in our little cushion like this, and this is practicing meditation, and then we go back into this, and we don't practice while we're speaking. Like, what would it be like if right now, as Tom and Tara are talking, we had enough pausing that we could sense what's going on, what, how I'm feeling about this energy, you know, and we don't train in that way, and that is a completely necessary and important training. So right. I feel like one of the things that we all need is to become more committed to bringing practice formally into conscious relationship. And, and that makes more of the bleeding happen. But, so what I'm hearing from you is it's happened some, and there's a yearning for it to be more, yeah. and there's more you could formally do, but I would encourage you to really honor that yearning. And rather than think it, let it be thought into something more like, oh, maybe I gotta settle for this disappointment or maybe this or maybe that. Just, you know, there's something very beautiful about our longing to be more free. And, and sometimes we get jaded. We've been doing this stuff for so long that we don't let ourselves get real simple and say, wow, Okay, there's, there's a longing here. And if you let that get really sincere, it actually carries you into what you want to belong to. Hmm. See, I've been sort of seeing that longing as sort of a... A grasping? A grasping or craving. It's, and it's marbled. It's always marbled. It's both. Because one of, one of my realizations, the older I get, the more I do this, is that my initial expectations to, like, get rid of all my neuroses and bad habits is... is, is is I've got, it's just not going to happen. And I ha I'm now more like, I'm sort of accepting and accept my bad habits and neuroses more as the, well, that's just my character and I'm just going to accept that as who I am without shame. And that's really wise. And you know, that can go hand in hand. You can really accept the neuroticness. I do the same with myself and still feel this longing. And it has a very different feeling than the expectation that my life be different. It's very, it's, a, it's got a much more pure strain of just a yearning to be at home in this moment. Tr true aspiration and longing always has to do with this moment. Okay, well that's, that's interesting because that's what I want to, I want to integrate those two and, and rather than have them sort of compete. Good. And, and yeah. I'm not sure, I mean I seem to be doing it okay, I, I'm not complaining, I'm, I'm not, it, things, I'm just sort of reporting this situation because yeah. it just, you reminded me of it when yeah. you had a couple comments. So you might make that more of an active part of your inquiry, which is, you know, okay, you see where the grasping is, but also sense where that purity is in you that really has a yearning for freedom or coming home and, and practice with it, inhabit it. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, well, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you each for uh, very beautiful questions and, and th those that were quiet for holding the space. I think you really made it safe enough for us to drop in. So we'll close with just a joining those around the world right now in a way. Much of our reflection has really been in the mode of peace starts with what's right here in this body, heart, mind. And so you might sense in an honest way if there's anything 
between you and being at home, at peace with your body, her mood, with just what's here. The only thing to do now is just notice. To the degree there might be some not at home feeling, just to sense whatever wish you have, whatever prayer you have for your own being to, to be at peace. This is a chance just to offer a little metta prayer for your own awareness, just to hold what's here with gentleness. that there be that heart space that has room for the reality of this moment. You might widen the attention to notice your life and where there may be Um, something between you and another person that feels like a distance that, that in some way causes pain or suffering where there's not peace or understanding. And just take a moment with that just to let that be included in this heart space. Again, it's just an acknowledgement of how that is. Noticing where there's distance and just feeling again that purity or sincerity that has a wish about that, a prayer for peace. A prayer for connection and understanding. Sensing this heart space again, where the purity is in it that has the potential to really hold what's here. And then just sense us here together and that this heart space is really a shared heart space. There's no boundaries, there's no dividedness. Heart space is open and tender and inclusive. that we're all resting in, aware of, arising from the same tenderness and vastness, this heart space. And sensing just how vast it is. Imagining and sensing this heart space that spreads out in all directions. Beings all around the world are 
are praying and sensing their sincere yearning for peace, just sense that same heart space, all continuous, one heart space. That we can hold the earth, our mother, in that heart space and the violence on this earth, the violence toward this earth, the violence between beings on this earth. that this heart space can recognize and open to and include all the loss, all the sorrow, the fear, the pain of that. And you may think right now of particular places on earth where the violence is so huge and has been so crushing to generations of people. letting the tenderness of heart space hold that so that we can feel our shared prayer now that all beings everywhere awaken to that loving presence that is their very essence. That all beings everywhere awaken to this heart space that realizes our connection and wishes for healing, for peace, for freedom. May there be peace on earth. May there be peace on earth. May there be peace everywhere. May all beings everywhere awaken and be free. Namaste. The teaching you have received has been freely offered. If you'd like to make a donation, learn more about my schedule or programs offered by the Insight Meditation Community of Washington, please visit tarabrock.com and our imcw.org.